Welcome to the good old days of radio show. This is John Tefteller, your host. And as par the course for a Thursday, we have another weird and strange tale. This one from the twisted, warped brain of Willis Cooper, uh, the writer and producer and creator of Quiet Please. Willis Cooper had the unique ability uh, to turn out week after week of really bizarre and really interesting programs. Um, there are, I think, 80 or so episodes of Quiet Please out there in existence. Most of them sound terrible due to some very bad transfers. This particular one, I think, sounds pretty good. But anyway, all, all of these 80-plus programs, however many they are, I can't think of too many that are terrible. <laughs> I think most of them are really fascinating. Uh, he had a unique ability to crank these things out week after week. Um, Willis Cooper actually started writing Lights Out in the mid-30s with Arch Obler, and then they parted ways. Uh, Obler stayed in Chicago for a while, and Willis Cooper went out to Los Angeles to write screenplays, which he did, including the famous film Son of Frankenstein with Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi and Basil Rathbone. And shortly after the screenwriting, uh, he went back and created this show, Quiet Please, and I think he also worked on a revival of Lights Out, but I don't know that any of those exist. Uh, if they do, I'd like to hear them. In the meantime, the one we have for today is called The Smell of High Wines. And um, I will leave it to the narrator to explain to you what high wines are or were and what the smell of high wines meant. And uh, I think you'll find it quite interesting. You do have to sometimes pay careful attention to these shows. Um, Willis Cooper is very subtle in his horror and his craziness. And so sometimes it may sound like, what in the world is this about? And you get kind of lost as he's, as he's moving along. But if you, if you pay careful attention and follow the story, you find out it's really incredibly well written. So from March 20th, 1949, The Smell of High Wines. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. The American Broadcasting Company presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for today is called The Smell of High Wines. You can talk about nostalgic sounds all you want to. Church bells on a summer Sunday morning when you've come back to your hometown after a long, long time. The long, homesick cry of a train whistle when you wake up in the middle of the night. Somebody's voice you haven't heard for a long time. You can talk about nostalgic sights, too. Brown cows meandering over a green hillside. And the funny Y-shaped fence post out on the Santa Rosa Valley Road that you saw the men putting up 20 years ago. 
But for my money, there isn't anything like a smell to bring things back. The smell of burnt coarse sand as the train passes a small-town foundry somewhere in Indiana. And the bitter smell of fresh-tanned leather. Your mouth puckers up like it did when you were a kid walking past the harness shop. The linseed smell of good, fat printer's zinc and the, the greenish smell of raw newsprint. Here are the things that bring you back. For me, it's the smell of high wines. Smell it once and you'll never forget it. Live in a distillery town and you'll smell it practically all the time. And you'll remember Shorty Gale and the funny streetcar that took you to work at five in the morning. You'll remember the cold air that came up through the slats in the fermenting room floor to freeze you in your wet overalls. You'll remember the long, dusty wooden stairs up to the tower. And somewhere behind it all is the taste of cold fried egg sandwiches from your lunch pail at midnight. With a full moon looking quizzically in the wind at you. And kind of sharing a secret with you. I catch the smell of high wines and... And I hear a sound that I thought I'd forgotten. And I see a picture I thought I'd forgotten, too. A little room way up at the top of the tower. Musty. Dusty with white meal. One little yellow light... hanging from a cobwebby wire over an old desk. A plank easy chair. Worn smooth by I don't know how many government storekeepers. And the smell... The insistent little smell of high wines to remember it by. And the sound I hear is the sound of something dripping under the warped, dusty floor. Drop, drop. Drop, drop on the uneven floor. The sound of a man's life dripping away. All alone in the tower. At three o'clock in the morning. I remember back, and it's more than 30 years ago. I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I smell high wines. Pungent, sharp, with a kind of vicious cleanness. The coming to life of the sharp alcohols and the esters. Released from the prison of the grains they were born in. And the smell brings back the blurred picture of the little room. Where the man lay across the scarred desk. And bled his life away in the gloom. I couldn't see his face in the paltry light from the crusted light globe. I could see only his dark clothing across the desk, his hand dangling toward the floor. The smell of high winds was strong in that cramped little room. And there was only the drip, 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 drip to hear. And the stain slowly spreading on the floor. And I remember I ran headlong down the stairs and out into the clean air of the night. And I can still feel the uneven ties of the railroad under my feet as I ran away from that place. 
And I remember how the smell of high wines pursued me through the dark. And through the day. Through the bright hours of the day. I... I squandered my sleeping time staring at the walls. Wondering. Waiting for a call that would take me back to that... That murder room. But when five o'clock came and Mother gave me my 20 cents and my lunch pail, and I rode the bumpy streetcar down to the end of the line and walked the last half mile and climbed the stairs to the fermenting room office, Grover sat on the bench and looked up at me over his first cup of coffee. How are you tonight, Eugene? And Dutch came in with a thermometer and his Stilson wrench and slapped me on the shoulder. Number 10 tub's up to 86, Eugene. Better look at it in about an hour. Uh. While you're arresting, Eugene, you can repack the new pump if you want to. All right. What's the matter with you? Me? Nothing. You sick? Me? No, I'm not sick. You're as white as a sheet. Listen, Grover. Hmm? What happened? What do you mean, what happened? What happened where? What's the matter with you? Up, up in the tower. What happened up in the tower? Didn't you hear? Hear what? Last night? It wasn't here last night. It was our night off, don't you remember? Sure. I remember. What are you talking about? Well, didn't, didn't anybody tell you what happened up there last night? Up where? In the tower. What happened? A man... Dead? What? what? Dead man? I, I, I saw him. Are you nutty, Eugene? No, I'm not nutty, Grover. I didn't hear about any dead man. Who was it? I don't know. I saw him. There was... It was all over the floor. Blood. Blood? I saw it. What were you doing? Wait a minute, Dutch. Hand me the phone. It ain't connected at night. Mm, that's right. Listen, Eugene, you saw a dead man up in the tower? Yeah. Where? I was just up there looking for something to read, and Mr. Files usually has some magazines up there, and I was only up there a minute, and... Was Mr. Files up there? It was his night off, too. There wasn't anybody up there but the, the dead man... I didn't know you better. I'd think you'd been at the slop there out there in the cooler. I saw him. You was asleep and you dreamed it. I was not. You was asleep. That's why that number nine tub was up to 91 when Fred Norris came on this morning. He left a note. He said it was 91. You was asleep. I wasn't asleep. Wait a minute. Did you hear anything about it, Doctor? Me? No. If somebody was murdered up there, it'd be all over the plant, wouldn't it? All over town. The watchman didn't say anything about it. I run into Everett Stropes when I came in tonight. He didn't say anything about it. If anything had happened, Everett would have said something. You had a nightmare, Eugene. No, I didn't. I saw him. He was hey, right... Dutch, keep an eye on things a few minutes, will you? Hmm? Oh, sure. Come on, Eugene. On where? We're going up in the tower and have a look for your dead man. It's dark up there.
It was dark, and it was gloomy. And it smelled of high wines just as it always did. And in the feeble glow from the little yellow lamp, the desk stood bare and clean, lightly dusted with a powdery meal of 50 years grinding. The warped floorboards were dusty and dry. And I could even see the footprints in the dust I had made the night before. Where did you see the blood? Right there on the floor I saw it. And now the floor was dry as it always had been. And the dust lay thick on it, the dust that had been there for years. And we got down on our knees to look. Uh, there's been no blood on this floor. Uh, I saw it. Listen, Eugene. If I ever hear of you going to sleep on the night shift again when you're being paid to keep an eye on 14 tubs of fermenting mash downstairs and... Who's that? Hey, Grover. What do you want? I told you to hey. stay... Hey, 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 Grover. What? Mr. Files is dead. Who? Mr. Files? What? Mr. Sure. Files. The one that saw was up here at night. You know, he had his night off last night. Yeah? He's dead. What? He was home last night and somebody got in the house and stabbed him and he bled to death. You know what else? What? What? They think it was somebody from the distillery here. Why? Because when they found him, the whole room smelled just like it does around here. The smell of high wines is so strong, it nearly knocked the people down. Yes, I know what you're thinking. I know you're saying to yourself, he did it. Eugene did it. And he lied when he told about going up in the tower and... Finding the man bleeding to death. The man that never was there. The man they couldn't find any sign of the next day. You're saying that's a fine alibi, Eugene. And you're saying that business about the smell of high wines is a nice touch. But aren't you forgetting something while you're figuring out your fine theory? Aren't you forgetting that I told my story before Grover and Dutch had heard about how Mr. Files was stabbed? By a person or persons unknown? Do you think a murderer would make up a story like that and tell it ahead of time? A smart murderer wouldn't have told it at all, would he? If I had have done it, wouldn't I have been content with everybody thinking I was at work in the distillery all night? With nobody even thinking of me as a potential murderer? Well, that's the way you'd think, isn't it? You wouldn't have shot off your mouth about a dead man bleeding to death in Mr. Files' office in the place smelling of high wines. Long before it came out that Mr. Files really was murdered in his home. And the blood dripping off on the floor and the smell of high wines there, too. But they picked me up. And I stayed in the red brick jail behind the courthouse for a long time. And they finally had a trial. I sat there with handcuffs and listened. While Grover and Dutch told their stories. Yes, sir. He told us just that. Uh, the way you've got it done. Yes, sir. He said he saw the dead man in Mr. Files' office. Yes, sir. He said it was about uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. Yes, sir. He was there all alone in the plant by himself. No, sir. He could have left and gone to Mr. Files' house and murdered him, and nobody would have known he left the distillery. No, sir. He wasn't at the distillery when the day shift came on. No, sir. I don't know where he was from 3 o'clock on. And while they were talking in the courtroom, all the time I could smell the smell. Just 
faintly I could smell the smell of high wines, and, and there wasn't anything in the courtroom that could make it smell like high wines. And when I asked Ralph Gore, the sheriff, he said he couldn't smell anything at all except the fresh paint where they'd painted the jury room. And no high wine smell at all. But I could smell it. And that's the way it happened. I've told you the truth all the way along. This is one of those stories where the man says at the end, look, I've been lying to you. I did it, and I've been lying to you about it. I didn't do it. And that's the way it happened, just like I've told you. They acquitted me. You can see they couldn't prove anything, and the story was too fantastic, and well, I hardly knew Mr. Files at all. And so I was free. I said, I'm not mad at you, Grover. Well, sure, Eugenia. You know, I had to say what I said. But you notice I didn't say anything that would make people think I thought you did it. I stuck right to the truth. I I just answered the questions, that's all. Yeah, I know, Grover. I heard you in the court. I didn't say anything either, Eugene. I just told him what you said to me. I didn't volunteer anything either. Why, there wasn't anything to volunteer. Was there, Dutch? No, there wasn't. No, there wasn't. Uh, we just told the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Yeah, I, I got to get a new job, I guess. Aren't you coming back to the distillery, Eugene? No, I guess not, Grover. I, I don't think they'll take me back. Sure they will, Eugene. I don't think so. Uh, Grover... Do you think I did it? Why, uh, why, no, uh, I, I don't think so, Eugene. Do you, Dutch? What? I don't know who did it, Eugene. And then I was in Omaha another time, and it was four or five years later. I never did go back to working in a distillery because if, if I wanted to get a job that paid any money in a distillery, I'd have had to tell them I had experience. And if I told them where I'd worked and had my experience, they'd write a letter and they'd find out about what happened and I wouldn't get the job. So I used my middle name and I went to Omaha. I got a job hopping bells in a hotel in Omaha and I made pretty good money. And after a while, I kind of stopped worrying about what had happened back home. And I never heard from anybody at home, so I was all right. And there weren't any distilleries in Omaha anyway then. I remember it was the day before Washington's birthday in Omaha. I, I was sitting fanning the breeze with a house detective in a little room down in the basement where we had a table to you know, play cards and stuff. And, after a while, I stood up and I said, well, so long, Red. I'm going home. What time is it? It's quarter after 11. Oh, 45 minutes and then I can hit the hay. Wish I had a shot of whiskey. <laughs> don't look at me. I know. You don't touch it. I used to help make it. You did? Yeah. Before Prohibition. 
Smells like old Cooley's making some back in the furnace room right now. Smell it? Why? I know what that smell is, Red. Yeah, bathtub gin. No, it isn't. Huh? Oh, I smelled that before. What is it? That's high wines. Huh? Never mistake that smell. What's well, high wine? That's what comes out after the first distillation of the mash you make whiskey out of. Well, there's no distillery around here. Only old Cooley. I'm going to see. I'm telling you. I know what that is. I smell. Look out. Cooley's always leaving stuff in the passageway there. I'll look out. Yeah, let's see what this is. Where's the light? Red. What's the matter? Did you break head? Red, look. What? A dead man. Huh? I... Stumbled over a dead man. What? Where? Look. look. <laughs> Where? Look. On the floor with something tied around his neck. I don't... Why, you sap. That's a bundle of old bedspreads that Cooley left laying on the floor. See? Oh, I tell you. Oh, he looked just like a dead man with a towel wrapped around his neck, choking. Oh, go on home. Looked just like a fellow I used to know back home. Dutch... Wait. What's the matter now? That smell. Well, I don't smell anything now. Can't you smell it? It's the smell of high wines. I don't know what you... Red! I... Hey, Red! Yeah? Are you down there? What's the matter? Red, come on, quick! What's the matter? Get up to 805 right away. What's the matter? There's a dead guy up there. And the smell of high wines in the close little cellar passageway was overpowering as I raced after the detective. The door of room 805 was wide open just as the maid had left it as she ran screaming away from it. And on the bed lay a dead man. A towel knotted tightly about his neck. And when Red and I had flung the window open to let out the choking fumes that permeated the whole room, and when he had untied the towel from the murdered man's throat, I looked down on a face that I knew. It was my old friend Dutch. And I hadn't seen for five years. You know, I've told you the truth just the same as I did before. I didn't know Dutch was there. I, I hadn't heard a word from him in all the years I'd been away. And this time I played it safe. Red knew that I'd been with him for an hour. The hour in which Dutch died nine floors above me. I couldn't have done it. There never was even the slightest suspicion of me for that matter. It was just coincidence that I tripped over what I thought was a dead man with a towel knotted around his neck. That's all. But it wasn't coincidence that I'd smelled the... Smell of high wines. But I went away from Omaha anyway. I wandered all around and I never did smell that smell again. Not till the other day.
I don't think Grover knew me when I came into his office. It had been a long time, and I'd been all over the country. I'd got fat, and I, I guess I got a little prosperous. I hadn't spelled high wines anywhere in all that time. And Grover, he'd stayed there at home, and now he was the big boss. He was the boss of the works. Then I wanted to see him, for old time's sake. So we had a nice time there in that big oak panel office of his. You know, Dutch died, Eugene. Did he? Out in Omaha, quite a long time ago. He was traveling for the company, and he was out there, and they found him in his room at the hotel, dead. He did, huh? Yeah. Too bad, isn't it? We used to have some good times together way back when. Sure did. Didn't we? Poor old Dutch. Poor guy. Uh, like a cigar, Eugene? Uh, no, no thanks. You know, I had a funny experience the other day talking about Dutch. You did? Yeah, funny. You remember when you left here? Yeah, I certainly do. I, I mean about the fellow that was killed. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Files? Remember? Yes, I remember. That was uh, why you went away, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Uh, let's not talk about it. Remember how you talked about... Smelling high wines? Yeah, I haven't smelled high wines for years. Not since... Not since when? Well, I haven't either. I was glad when they moved my office uptown. Could get away from that smell. Always nauseated me. Yeah, me too. To be perfectly frank. What are you sniffing for? Uh, nothing. I don't smell anything. I thought I caught a sniff of high wines. No, not in this office, boy. Air conditioning. Well, go on. Uh, go on what? Uh, what you were saying, the, the funny experience. Oh. <laughs> well, um, remember you smell that smell when he died? The old man. Yes, I remember. Well, I was sitting at home reading the Saturday Evening Post story about a fellow on a submarine and atomic bomb things. Well, I read it on the train. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I guess I must have fallen asleep. It was late. And all of a sudden, I smelled high wines. You did, huh? Yeah, just as plain. Haven't smelled that smell for years. But you know something, Eugene? You never forget it. I guess you don't. <coughs> well... I better be going. Oh, wait a uh, minute, Eugene. Uh, I want to tell you about this dream. I uh, wouldn't have thought about it, but it's such a coincidence. You coming in out of a clear sky. Well, what about it? Uh, well, I got up and looked around. I was all alone at home, and I couldn't imagine that... So do you smell anything now? No. Yes, it must be my imagination. 
Well, go on. Well, I thought right away about that old experience of yours. What did you find when you looked? What? Did you find a dead body? Why, uh, that's the funniest... Wait a minute. Uh, I want to tell you that I was in the hotel when Dutch got killed. I know you were. How did you know? I mean, I had an idea you were, Eugene. Well, I didn't kill Dutch. No. I, I didn't kill that old man either. No. I didn't. I, I know you didn't. Well, then, how did you know I was there when Dutch died? I guessed. Well, tell me about your dream and the high wine smell. Yeah, well, do you smell anything now? High wines? No, why? <laughs> I just wondered. I, I don't want you to find me dead, you see. <laughs> Did you find a dead man when you smelled high wines the other night? Yes, I did. You did? Tell me about it. Want to know who it was? Oh, yes. No. Suicide. How did you know? He had the gun in his hand. He'd shot himself in the head. Well, what did you do? Well, he was lying alongside me on the floor, and I jumped up, and when I jumped up and looked, there was nobody there. Just like it was when I... Just like it was when you... Uh... Who... Who was it, Grover? Why don't you know, Eugene? I don't know why. It's the truth. It's the way everything happened. I didn't tell you any lies. Grover didn't either. I forgot to ask you something. Did you ever smell high wines? You never did. Well, won't you smell high wines? Like Grover said, you'll never forget it. I don't know where this gun came from. You, you know what I'm going to do with it? You said you never smell high wines. Take a deep breath. You don't get it? Try again, a big, deep breath. Yeah, that's it. Smell it now? The title of today's Quiet Please story is The Smell of High Wines. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper, the man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. Dan Grover was played by Murray Forbes. Dutch was Frank Thomas, Jr., and Walter Black played Red. Music for Quiet Please is, as usual, by Albert Berman. Now for the word about next week, Willis Cooper. Thank you for listening to Quiet Please. My story for you for next week is called A Time for Living. And so until next week at the same time... I am quietly yours, Ernest Chapel. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. This is WJZ, New York's first station. All right, take a deep breath. A really deep, deep breath.
Smell those high wines yet? You will. <laughs> what a great show. That stuff is just so well written. I, I can't say enough about his ability to spin a yarn that seems so subtle and yet holds your attention and, and grips you and surprises you at the end. Just wish there were more of those around and better sound. That one was okay. It had some noise at the beginning, but it got much better. All right. Good old days of radio show. That's it for today. Back on Tuesday with comedy and back next Thursday with another strange and weird show. And I see on the list there'll be another quiet please coming soon after that. So wonderful. Stay tuned. All right. John Tefteller in the good old days of radio show. Thanks for listening. See you later.